Beloveds, welcome back to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our Christian sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance, in showing up, and in liberation? And what wisdom is there for us as white Christians in these troubled, violent times of pandemics, rising authoritarianism, and racial capitalism? And what beauty can we find in our resistance? I'm Reverend Anne Dunlap, pronouns she, her, hers. I'm a United Church of Christ minister, and I'm the faith organizing coordinator for Showing Up for Racial Justice, or SURGE. I live in the place currently called Buffalo, New York, here in the homelands of the Haudenosaunee peoples. This podcast is a project of SURGE faith and is particularly designed for white Christians. White Christians turning towards other white Christians to talk about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, and we also believe we have a responsibility to tell a new story about Christianity for white Christian folks, because our lives, all our lives, depend on it. And we do this work remembering we are building up a new world. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the Freedom Movement is of a racial is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. The word is resistance. Happy Trinity Sunday. So yes, it's Trinity Sunday in the Christian calendar, the Sunday when many churches celebrate the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. Not all denominations do this because not all denominations actually believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. And also I think even in denominations that do, Trinity Sunday is often kind of overlooked or maybe not really observed at all. Um, but at any rate, here we are, and here is this week's gospel reading for it. This is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the truth is, I pretty much said all I want to say about the doctrine of the Trinity back in 2017, two lectionary cycles ago, when this reading from Matthew was also the text. I'm linking to that episode in the transcript and on social media for you to find because mostly I don't want to just repeat all that here. Um, 
But suffice to say, long story short, I am mostly not interested in the doctrine of the Trinity because it's codification, which is to say like the elevation of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost to the status of believe this or else happened at the point of Constantine's sword. And I'm not interested in perpetuating imperial Christianity. That's the summary of that episode. So go check it out. Um, I reread it to prepare uh, for this episode. And yeah, pretty much all I want to say is there. So go check that out and maybe come back to this or listen to it after whatever you want to do. However, a few months ago, I was driving somewhere and in front of me, was a big truck with a sticker across the top of the back window that said, God, guns, and country. And I thought, wow, that is an interesting Trinitarian formulation. And also, isn't that heresy? And then I thought, wait, don't I not really believe in the doctrine of the Trinity anyway? And so I've been pondering on this ever since then and signed myself up for this week as soon as I got the season schedule ready um, so that I could both have the discipline of pulling my thoughts together and also to share my thoughts with you. So here goes. Back in 2017, in, in that 2017 episode, I talked about the baptismal formula, which was not really a set formula for likely a couple of centuries after Jesus, at least, and certainly not like the set formula until the Council of Nicaea, a.k.a. Constantine's Council. And anyway, I talked about the baptismal formula, whether being baptized in the name of Jesus or in the, in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, God, Jesus, Spirit, or some other version we find throughout both the Bible and also, you know, other letters and things uh, being written about over that time. Regardless of the version, that baptismal formula was like a loyalty oath to God, declaring one's loyalty, one's heart to the divine and to the way of justice and community and intimacy embodied by Jesus. And so by implication, declaring one was not loyal to Rome or to the emperor. Roman soldiers had to make a loyalty oath like that every year to declare themselves loyal and belonging to the Roman Empire. Every year. That oath was called the sacramentum. Yeah, like our English word sacrament, exactly. And a soldier who made the oath was considered sacer, sacred, which again, that's the same root as sacramentum. And in Spanish, for example, a priest is called a sacerdote, sacer. So we can noodle on how Christianity took this oath idea, the sacramentum, and created its own oath-connected sacrament called baptism, which honors human sacredness as God's beloved ones. But that's not really my point today, though it's definitely a road I'd like to go down with you. My point is about competing oaths the sacramentum to Caesar, and the sacramentum to God. And we know that they were competing because Roman soldiers who became Christians found themselves in conflict over whether they not whether or not they could declare their loyalty to both Caesar and to God. And in fact, for a long time, they thought they couldn't do both. People thought they couldn't do both, at least not until Constantine fixed that problem at Nicaea, making loyal to God and empire one and the same. 
Christianity, Christianity has mostly been that ever since, right? Loyalty to God and to the empire, whichever empire it may be in whatever historic moment, are one and the same. Which impacts how we understand this reading from Matthew, doesn't it? If we understand the loyalty oath being equally to God and to the empire, then of course this reading from Matthew is interpreted as supporting the imperial project of unlimited expansion and assimilation, exploitation of resources and people, conversion of people to the empire's ways, even at the point of a sword or a gun or a Bible, and violence, surveillance, and control to protect those at the top with wealth and power which is exactly how the Great Commission, as this text is called, has been used to immense amounts of harm to humans, creatures, and land. It might as well say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus the stand-in for the emperor. Go therefore and make imperial subjects of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God and empire. Mm-hmm. So much harm. But if we recall that the loyalty oath is to God, God alone, and thus not the empire, not Caesar, well then this text can mean something really different, something much less harmful, something that can actually nourish our resistance in our liberation. So what if the text means something like this? Jesus came and said to them, Rome has no authoritative power over life and death. They have no authority over your worth, no authority over the cycles and spirals of the earth, no authority over the divine breath that inhabits everything. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not Caesar, not the legions, but poor, wounded, scarred me. Authority that is embodied in baskets and baskets of bread and healing for your bodies and spirits in a way that allows us not only to survive, but thrive too. So go and tell everyone, even the Gentiles, that they can be part of this too. That we see their suffering under the empire too. And that they can declare their loyalty to something else, give their hearts to something else, something different, to the divine breath in their bodies, to the way that I've taught you, to the spirit that will comfort and encourage you when shit gets hard. Teach them about the bread, about how to heal, about how to love, and I am always, always with you. God, guns, and country. Here's the thing. In Constantine's eyes, that's not really heresy. But for Jesus and his people and his lineage, it would be. So perhaps there's a place for the Trinitarian formula after all. Although I still stand by my 2017 episode about the whole doctrine itself, There is a place and a need for declaring our loyalty, 
a place for declaring to what we give our hearts. Because there are big, organized forces constantly trying to get us to declare our loyalty to God, guns, and country, to God the punishing patriarch, violence, and empire. And we get to say no. But not just no. We also get to say yes. We also get to declare that we are loyal to something very different. Loyal to communities where everyone has good and ample food and has the care they need for their bodies and spirits. Loyal to trans and queer and black and brown and poor and working class folks. Loyal to education that tells the whole truth about who we've been and who we are and who we could become. Loyal to the land where we dwell, to our watersheds, to the plants and creatures we are in community with. Loyal to the rhythm and the cycles of the earth. Loyal to the divine breath that inhabits everything. Loyal to our brother Jesus who tried to show us a way of getting free. Loyal to the wild goose cry of that border-crossing, comforting, encouraging, upside-down-turning sacred spirit. As Rosemary Fringy Harding says, There is no scarcity. There is no shortage. No lack of love, of compassion, of joy in the world. There is enough. There is more than enough. Only fear and greed make us think otherwise. No one needs starve. There is enough land and enough food. No one need die of thirst. There is enough water. No one need live without mercy. There is no end to grace. And we are all instruments of grace. The more we give it, the more we share it, the more we use it, the more God makes. There is no scarcity of love. There is plenty and always more. Let this be our loyalty oath. Let this be our call to action. Amen. Beloveds, thanks as always for joining us from wherever you are on this good earth. We'd love to hear from you, especially from folks of color and non-Christian folks, by filling out the listener survey on our podcast page at surge.org. And give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our podcast. You can find out more about Surge at surge.org, and our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Search on The Word is Resistance. Transcripts are available as well on our website, which include references, resources, and action links. And we'll be back next week with a resistance word from... Oh, actually, it's me again, actually. We're starting a new series um, next time. This time diving into the readings from Romans that take us clear into the fall. We're calling the series Wrestling with Romans, and it's going to be great. So come and join us. And as always, a huge thanks to our sound editor this week, Jordan Perry. Blessings to you in all that you do to resist injustice and in all that you do to build up a new world. Love and liberation, beloveds. Love and liberation. Until next time, I'm I'm Reverend Ann Dunlap.